0: and uh, welcome in. Uh little a lot of bit of news today. Georgia starts spring practice today. They introduced a new basketball coach, Mike White. Made some introductory press conferences. We heard from Josh Brooks today, Nolan Smith, Caris Jackson, talking injury updates, Arik Gilbert news because that is always hot. And of course, with so much news going on, I had to bring in our veteran Mike Griffith to help me out. So much news to cover, so much to talk about. I we're up to 9, maybe 10 stories today on dognation.com discussing the latest on Georgia football, on Georgia basketball, a ton of stuff going on. There's even a baseball game tonight if you want to go cover that, if you have any juice left in the tank. but Jack Leo for that. <laughs> we got
1: Jack Leo, you see Jack's byline.
0: So with that in mind, Mike – Heard from Kirby Smart today, heard from Mike White today, heard from Josh Brooks today. What is your big takeaway with regards to Georgia athletics? You can go football or basketball here.
1: I think a great buzz. I mean, I I just feel there's a lot of positive momentum, and we know it all starts with the national championship in football. But even as Kirby's going down this list of injuries that, you know, any other day would seem like a drag. Oh, Brock Bowers is out. Darnell Washington is out. Tate Rattledge is still out. Arian Smith, and you're going – This should really be bringing everybody down. But it's not. Kirby's like, you know what? Every spring this happens. There's going to be six or seven. It's going to seem like there's more because there's 19 early enrollees. That's ridiculous. I remember when he had 13 and it was like mind-blowing. 19 early enrollees. So, yeah, five of them have surgery. That's all right. You still got another 12 or 13. And then I know that some people thought it was, I don't know if hokey, but to have this kind of a pep rally style introduction for Mike White. And I know for some people they kind of rolled their eyes, but I thought, you know what, you've got to start somewhere. If you're talking about trying to get people interested in Georgia basketball and you're talking about trying to generate excitement and interest, then you need to put Mike White out there. And you see behind us he's introduced and there's, you know, a balloon tunnel and cheerleaders and the band and, you know, the media is there and we're asking live questions in front of the crowd. And, you know, for however many of the few hundred people that showed up to the free event and got the free t-shirts, the, you know, we like Mike t-shirts. I mean, it's a start and it shows that Georgia truly is Connor invested in Mike White. And I'm telling you, I, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that this is an immediate fix. I heard you ask, what's the version of success and, and that's relative. It's going to take time, but I just don't know that Georgia could have got a more qualified guy with a clean resume. This guy's got no NCAA or FBI. He's been to four tournaments. He's been to a lead eight. He played in the league, comes from an athletic family. Wife was an all American volleyball player. Uh, Brothers are ADs at Florida Atlantic and Tennessee sister. I mean, this is a program guy. So you ask me how I felt. I think you can tell. I, I got a lot of juice out of today. I, I got a really good feeling out of today
0: for Georgia Athletics. Yeah, I think the big word today for me when it comes to Mike White is build. That's the word that really resonated with me. That they know they have to build this program up and out to get it to a point where if Mike White does what he did at Florida, and I realized, you know, on Twitter on Sunday there was not an overwhelming uh, sensation of joy of oh this is going to be the guy that leads us into the future. If Mike White does at Georgia what he did at Florida. He is probably the most successful basketball coach in the history of the program because for a variety of reasons, Georgia has not been able to find consistent basketball success there. And obviously, press conference today, he's saying all the right things. We need to be able to recruit the state. We need to know how to use the transfer portal. We really need to know you know, to establish a culture and identity here. But the big thing when it comes to Mike White, build. They have to build this program up to where it is competing in what is now, I believe, probably the toughest conference in the country. With what you have in Kentucky, I believe you have three of the top ten seeds in the country this year. Arkansas is a dangerous four seed in the NCAA tournament, and so that's what he walks into and steps into. Fortunately, he's been in this league forever. He played at Ole Miss, as you mentioned, coached at Florida, and so you know I, I think even though Josh works, we didn't get necessarily get a chance to ask him this. Having that SEC background I think was really, really important for Josh Brooks that this guy knows how to navigate this league, especially as he has seen it get tougher in recent seasons. As far as going back to football here, with the injuries that you bring up, touching on some of the names we know, Schmell Munden is not practicing this spring. Darno Washington is not practicing this spring. Washington has a lower leg extremity. Uh, I believe Munden has a shoulder cleanup. Now, those are the two big ones. Obviously, we knew Brock Bowers. We knew Bear Alexander. I believe Jacob Hood. CJ Smith, Griffin Scroggs, and CJ Madden are the other early enrollee signees. Yeah, it's the
1: other big
0: one. Yeah, who will, uh, will not be going through practice this spring. Tyke Smith is still working his way back. Arian Smith, Tate Ratledge will be limited, but they will not be full go as they recover from their injuries. But you sort of touched on this earlier when it comes to injuries and in this sort of laundry list of guys. Think back to last year. Nicobe Dean didn't have spring practice. And it did not matter at all for what he did come the fall. I think when it comes to injuries, I, I think it's important. It, it, you know if you miss spring, obviously, you know that does have a, an impact on your development. I would rather have players miss spring practice than I think guys miss the month of August and get hurt in August and not be able to play there. Because you have seen, I think time and time again, you know, you can look Keiris Jackson last year. We talked to him today. Him essentially having surgery right before the season started really just put his whole year off track. And he very much did not have the year that he wanted to have. I think even that contributed to Darnell Washington not having the season that he wanted to have a season ago. Remember, he breaks his foot in the month of August and really takes him some time to get up and going. And when you start that far behind, it just makes it really tough to catch up. So the fact that these guys are all getting cleaned up now and the expectation is that they will be good and ready to go by the start – of fall practice, I think that's far more important than them missing the two weeks or 15 practices during spring.
1: You know, you mentioned N'Kobe Dean and there was a nugget I got out of the combine and, and a, you you, you and I covered that in concert. Connor was able to get the juice off TV, the results, get that up. I was there getting the interviews and one of the cool nuggets that came out of there that I didn't know is that N'Kobe Dean, even though he had the shoulder, dressed out for every practice. Smart had him wear the pads go in the huddle, make the calls, and Kobe was was all there for it because he was going to be the voice of the defense, but – Just think about that. I mean, he was still putting the pads on. And so, and this was something Kirby said today. Even the guys that aren't here on campus yet are going to be attending meetings via via Zoom. They're going to have playbooks. I mean, they're going to essentially get the same level of preparation that the regular team did when all this crazy COVID stuff was going on a couple years ago. So, you know, the technology has come so far. And I think that these incoming players are going to be able to have an impact, that as much impact as they're you know, physical ability will allow them because of this technology and the way that Georgia's doing this. And, you know, you mentioned um, Darnell Washington. To me, Connor, this is the one, this is the flashing red light injury because, to me, one of the priorities for Georgia, retention is big every year, but Darnell Washington is a guy with one foot out the door. And we knew that last year at the end of the season when we saw Kirby address the team Uh, You know, he mentioned, you know, if you're thinking about going somewhere else, uh, Darnell, or if you're thinking, you know, and and everybody knows it, that Darnell Washington didn't make the impact from the standpoint of receptions that he would have liked. Meanwhile, Brock Bowers is setting school records. That's tough to swallow if you're Darnell Washington. Now, Carnell, or Carnell, Carnell Carnell Riley here, (laughs) Connor pointed out that, you know, that a lot of this had to do with Darnell's foot injury in camp, and the fact that he really wasn't 100% probably to the last two or three games of the year. So I looked at this spring as an opportunity for Darnell to get a lot of work like he did last spring when he looked like he'd be a big target. And maybe Georgia re-recruit him. So my concern here, and and I don't think anybody can answer it, is how do you re-recruit a guy that's not on the field, Connor? And Mm -hmm. And there was news tonight. I don't know if you already announced it, but this portal is live and in action. I'll let you share what you put on Dog Nation
0: tonight. Yeah, Owen Condon enters the transfer portal. Personally speaking, not all that surprising. He was rather buried on the depth chart. Had a chance to start for Georgia at the beginning of the 2020 season. Got outplayed by Warren McClendon, and I think the writing was on the wall there for him. But we didn't get a chance to talk about this with Kirby today in terms of the transfer portal, but I'm sure in the coming days and weeks it'll come up. You know, I I I like to think I have a good handle on where the math is with this Georgia roster in terms of getting down to the eighty-five by the they times they right? they need because as it stands right now with the eleven mid-year guys they're set to add before they even think about adding their own players from the transfer portal. As adding even if you remove Condon today as he enters the transfer portal, Georgia is set to be at ninety-one players when it comes to the scholarship standpoint. They're going to have to lose six, seven, eight, possibly as high as ten more players by the end of you know the summer so that they can, A, get under the 85, but B, at places like a cornerback, like a safety, like a wide receiver, they can potentially go in there and add to that position. Sort of tying transfer portal, Darnell Washington, and on that, I think the other big story today was literally the first question that Kirby Smart was asked. Arik Gilbert, with the team practicing, Karis Jackson let us know that Arik is getting his weight under control, getting back into shape, attacking, doing the things that you want to see him do to where he can get on the field and be a participant with this Georgia football team. And I thought Kirby Smart had some really strong words to say about, obviously, you know, where Arik is but more importantly, I think some of the symptoms that have sprouted from this Arik Gilbert situation, you know, Obviously, the intense pressure, the intense scrutiny that I think he is under with being a five-star recruit, being the number one player in the state of Georgia, coming back home after a a very strong, I would say, first year at LSU, especially given the circumstances there that he was going through down there in Baton Rouge that puts a lot of pressure on these guys. And, and obviously these guys have pressure on themselves, but when everyone is always asking what's up with the reek, what's up with the reek, you know, e- even the best of us can try and block out what we see on social media. It's still going to come back and find a way to us. And so dealing with the the massive burden that Kirby smart said today, with those guys, those expectations, that's a big thing with Arik. And it's almost, for me, more important as far as how is Arik doing mentally? Is he doing all the things off the field to make sure he can be in a spot where he can contribute on the field physically? I will note, the one other interesting thing, Kirby Smart, because there is no Brock Bowers this spring, there is no Darnell Washington this spring, Gilbert's going to go through practice as a tight end. And I think that's going to allow him to get reps, to get opportunities. I know a lot of people want to see him at that wide receiver position, but I think given the weight gain that he had and as he tries to get back into full-time football shape, I think it's probably a good thing for him this spring that he's going to be at that tight end position. He's going to have an opportunity to work his way into the offense and really reestablish himself as a player for this Georgia team.
1: Yeah, and Brock Bauer showed you last year that playing tight end at Georgia doesn't mean that you don't, you're do not you not going to catch passes. Certainly not in Todd Munkin's system. So, And I would guess that he will probably be playing a lot of that role. I'll say this for Rick Gilbert, and, and, and I'll say this about Kirby. Sometimes coaches – in general, like to blame the media. Look, Eric Gilbert got himself in trouble before the season started at the team hotel before the drill started. That was the genesis of him exiting the team. Now, there may have been external pressures. There may have been other things that happened, but let's have a little bit of accountability and yeah. realism here. The media was not the reason that Eric Gilbert was not on the team.
0: And if you want to put, yeah, like Eric Gilbert is responsible for the way his exit went at LSU, where there was a lot of mystery around that. We weren't there wasn't a lot of concrete information. It was a lot of will he, won't he enter the transfer portal? You know, opts out of the season. That leads to various questions there.
1: Florida commitment, re-recruited to LSU. There, it was a bit of a and, and, and to be fair, there is pressure, but this is part of. Big time college football Listen if you don't want to be a part of this There are other leagues you can play in But if you come to the SEC Specifically if you come to the University Of Georgia there's going to be a great Deal of scrutiny there's going to be a great Deal of expectation because With power comes responsibility And this is a powerful Institution this is a powerful National championship contender That Kirby Smart has built It's unfortunate it's tough you can Say boy that's tough he's just a kid He was going 80 with a little marijuana. That's nothing. It's something if you're a team captain at Georgia. There's a different standard. There's a different level of accountability. And Kirby talked about how they're going to continue these skull sessions. And I think this is so important, Connor, because when Georgia got drilled and got their brains beat out by Alabama in the SEC title game, they were staggered. That was a moment where I wondered, is this program coming back from that? Are these guys going to look in the mirror and say, that's it, we're out? But they came back better than ever, destroyed Michigan. That was just a a wipeout. Oh, my, the dominance from start to finish. And then when they played Alabama, that defense, Bryce Young, this guy's unbelievable. I mean, this kid, he's a throwback, man. He's a throwback to scrambling Fran Tarkington. And they held him to one touchdown on six trips inside the 30. And the one they got, I think, came after – a a turnover. If a, a very thinking. questionable turnover that I will right. still, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but the point is this defense was not going to be denied. And, you know, I had a chance to talk to Zion Logan today. and I think it was our first opportunity to talk to Zion Logan. You talk about kids making mistakes. Or you talk about kids who may not be on top of their game when they came in. And Kirby talked about Zion Logan said, you know, when he got here, he didn't necessarily make all of the best decisions in terms of some of his responsibilities academically and appointments. He said, but this is an example of the kids that had grown up. Little did I know at the time we would be speaking to Zion Logue just an hour later. And let me tell you, this kid was impressive, Connor. He, he looks the part at 6'5", 295, but listening to him talk about the confidence that that D-line has and, and the we, the us, the our. I mean, this is a guy who's all in and made me really believe that, you know what? They're going to lose three first round guys. All right, Jalen Carter. Going to lose Tremel four first Walker, round guys. Devon Walker. Devon Walker. Yeah, they're going to lose three first round guys off the defensive line. I think these guys will be all right. He, Zion Logue had me believing by the end of the day. We already know about Jalen Carter. Now we know about Zion Logue. He talks about Nas Stockhouse. I'm missing one other one. Tramel Uh No, he didn't mention him. Uh, that's Oh, that's an interesting one that he didn't mention. It. Bill Nort was a guy that he mentioned, and uh, Tyman Mitchell, Mitchell was, was yeah. another one. They, they had me convinced that, you know, these – and then Warren Erickson's like, yeah, we lost these really good guys, but he lines up across from these guys every day. Connor, he says they're still going to be good. On this defensive front. What are, you, what are your thoughts about, about that and the linebacking core? Because those, to me, that that's the part of the team that I think is, is really going to be replaced.
0: So I thought it was very telling today that we actually did get to hear from Zion Logue. I think that, you know, usually you know today, me today, you have a lot of extra media here. You want to put your best speakers forward. You want to, essentially, the guys you think are going to be the leaders of this program, the voices of this program. It's very telling to me that we got to hear from Zion Logue today because I think there's the expectation, at least that I have, he's going to be the guy that replaces what Jordan Davis does he's going to have to be the guy that is that two-gap run stopper the guy in the middle of that defense that immovable object and if Georgia feels confident right now in Zion Logan what they've seen from him in these winter workouts in these skull sessions I think that's very encouraging as far as going out and trying to replace what Jordan Davis brought because they very easily they could have brought out say a Chris Smith they could have brought out a Keely Ringo they could have brought out a couple other guys Stetson
1: Bennett. Stetson Bennett as
0: well there so they could have brought some of those guys out. But the fact that they chose Zion Logue, I think, is really telling The other defensive player we got to hear today from Nolan Smith, which is no surprise to me at all whatsoever. I think that guy is very clearly going to be the leader, maybe not just for this defense, but for this entire Georgia team. He is the loudest voice in the room. I, I think he's a guy who very much understands what Kirby Smart wants from this Georgia football program and knows, yeah, we've got to go out and replace a lot of talented players on this team. But at the same point in time, you mentioned Jalen Carter. I think Nolan Smith and Robert Beal are really are two really good edge rushers. Nolan Smith raves about what Georgia has in that inside linebacker room. Again, it helps when you have Glenn Schumann there coaching. And whether or not he's the defensive play caller, I expect he will be. But Kirby Smart is going to keep that in-house for now. Yeah,
1: well, no, wait a minute. You're making too much of that. I, and Kirby said that today. That's overblown by the media. We, we know who it's going to be. I'm thinking – it's overblown by us because you're not telling it who it is. You're saying it's not overblown because you know. Do you think he's trying to keep it away from Dan? Is there any strategic reason, or is he just trying to keep it out of being a point of emphasis?
0: Right I think it's a point of emphasis in the fact you – know, Glenn Schumann is going to be 32 at the end of this month. He's still very young, and let's, let's face it. He's Will, the new Dan Lanning. He's the new Dan Lanning, but Will Muschamp is also a very popular figure. And with all the turnover that is on this defense – I do think that you know it would not be a surprise to me if they come out and they are not playing at the top five standard that they had played at these past couple of seasons. And so early on, you could very easily see a world where, well, what's wrong with Glenn Schumann? Why is he not doing as good a job as someone has in the past? And so maybe perhaps as a way to prevent against some of that backlash, they're going to ease Glenn or ease sort of the public perception around Glenn Schumann into that. And But again... I've always stated the belief with what Georgia has on defense, with the brain trust that they have there, Trey Scott is back. Will Muschamp is back. Schumann is back. And obviously Kirby Smart is still really one of the major architects of all of this. By the end of the season, I'd be really surprised if Georgia doesn't have a top 10 defense in the country. I, I think that's the talent level on this team. They've got to figure some things out. They've got to stay healthy specifically at that cornerback spot. They've got four scholarship cornerbacks right now on the roster. And so if they're able to navigate some of these early parts, I do think, that this is going to be a defense that, you know, will they get to where they were in 2021? Probably not, because that's an all time defense that had four, maybe five first round picks on it but it's still going to be one of the better defensive units in college football.
1: Oh, there's no question. And, you know, other than Oregon, I think the schedule, you know, allows for this Georgia defense to kind of ease in a little bit, in my mind. And as far as the overblown part, part of it is, I think, as you said, I think it's a keen observation that you don't necessarily want to put all the pressure and People going, oh, the defense isn't as good as last year. It's Glenn Schumann. And, and I also think that These coaches meet all week long. They prepare for every situation. They know in advance how they're going to handle every single formation, every single audible. It's already rehearsed. The play calling is a byproduct of the down and distance and the personnel that's on the field more so than a guy who just ingeniously says, I've got a hunch. Let's do this. They've already discussed it. The writing's already on the wall. This is a very prepared team this is how Kirby Smart does it and he, and he goes over there and then he, he puts his ear up against the offensive meeting room too right and sometimes this is what I want a quarterback or he might say we're gonna run the ball in the fourth quarter hey you just know he gets on the headset Connor and says Let's shut it down. Let's shut it. You know, when does Kirby, is there a code word for it? You know, wouldn't you like to be that guy? remember when NASCAR had the scanners and you could listen in on the conversations between the pit crew and the driver. Wouldn't you love to have a scanner that could hear Kirby Smart talking to his coaching staff during the game? Because he does oversee anything. And I'll share it on the show. I'll do a story on it later. But I love to talk about the microphone. And I don't know how many people know this, but at every Georgia practice, Kirby is mic'd up and everything he says goes over the whole. He's like the voice of God. And the guys at the combine were telling me you can't hide from the microphone. And even today, I think Zion Logue said you can be on field one. He's on field two and he still sees the mistake he made. So but I think that's fun and I think it's become a part of Georgia football of how Kirby manages the practice. And I think he does that, Connor, in the meetings rooms as well. And I think that's why he says it's probably somewhat overblown who's actually calling the plays because they've pretty much rehearsed it throughout the week what they're going to do in certain situations.
0: So moving from today, looking ahead to tomorrow, Georgia's pro day. Oh, go. Going to be a very busy day. You have the 14 combine guys there. Obviously, John Fitzpatrick, I figured, is also under my assumption. Adam Anderson is going to be there working out. So what to you are you looking forward to seeing the most tomorrow? As it figures to be another very big day. I know the NFL Network is going to be here for this Georgia program.
1: You know, I wonder how many of the guys actually retest. Okay, If you're Jordan Davis, I don't think you run again. If you're Devontae White, I don't think you run. The guy who didn't run is N'Kobe Dean. And the other one was Darian Kendrick. So those are the two guys that didn't perform in drills. I think Jamari Sellier might have saved some things and Justin Schaefer. But for the most part, tomorrow's N'Kobe Dean Day when it comes to the measurables, running the 40, doing the jump. I wonder if some of the guys will try to improve a a jump or a time. But for the most part, I think we're going to see on-field work. And here's a question for you. This is a big question. Who does George Pickens catch passes from? There's scuttlebutt that he wants JT Daniels to throw to him. Is that a bad thing? I mean, I don't think that that would be a bad thing. I mean, let's be honest. That's where he had a lot of success was with JT. And would Kirby allow JT Daniels to throw to George Pickens? I I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, Does it have to be Stetson Bennett? Could it be Brock Vandergriff? Could it be Carson Beck? You know, I don't know who's going to throw to George Pickens tomorrow. That's probably a story for me, uh, just, just knowing that Pickens wanted JT to throw. And I don't know where JT's on that. I don't know where Kirby's on that. I don't know if somebody else is the designated thrower. I've seen these pro days before, Connor. They'll just bring guys in. I don't even know who this guy is that's throwing passes, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe Mark Richt will be warming up in the bullpen. I don't know, I don't know who's going to be throwing passes to Pickens. Somebody is, but I think it's a big day for George. I wonder if George might run again. He's just – I don't want to say crazy enough, but I'll say he's competitive enough that you just don't know what you're going to get out of George Pickens. He may not be able to resist going out there or squirting a teammate with a water bottle on the sideline.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely think your point on George Pickens and Nolan talked about him today, just the competitive streak that that guy has, even in a pro day setting tomorrow where you you, you don't think it's this high octane. He's going to be dialed in, locked in ready to go there. I think you made a great point there, touching on N'Kobe Dean, touching on Darian Kendrick, what those guys really have to do because as you mentioned, they didn't test in Indianapolis and I think teams, specifically with N'Kobe Dean, he's got to test well tomorrow because he didn't measure in great physically at the combine and if he wants to be a first-round draft pick, which I wholeheartedly believe on talent that he is, he's got to go out there and show teams that he is athletically gifted enough to merit a first-round draft pick and I think teams are going to be looking at that. But to your larger point, Jordan Davis doesn't need to run the 40 again the earth might break open if it does uh Trayvon Walker I'd be stunned if he could somehow improve on the things he did in Indianapolis the same can be said for Devontae White it'll be a very big day for Georgia but I think really you touched on it the Kobe Dean George Pickens those are the two names that we're really focusing on tomorrow so as we wrap up here what's your big takeaway from today Mike
1: like I said just a a good vibe and and you know the Mike White thing I'm just wondering can you win at basketball enjoy here's the can you do it clean? All right. And the answer is yes, because now you have this collectives In my show last night, I had the CEO on Matt Hibbs. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, NIL stop right there. But this is going to be a part of the part of the formula for programs to continue to recruit well and to continue to retain players to get guys that come back, you know, say, yeah, you know what? You could go pro and maybe be a second or a third round pick. But if you come back, we've got this NIL deal set up, you know, with Barbaritos and you can get three or four hundred thousand dollars. Well, now the kid who has a family to support or or other considerations might say, you know, I do need the money and I can improve my draft stock. And oh, by the way, these schools can also purchase very high dollar insurance policies. And that's another tool that's in Kirby's tool belt. So I think not only from the standpoint of, recruiting and not directly not saying come here and you get paid this but look everybody knows jt daniels had to deal with zaxby's and some card dealing you know jt's deal is probably worth six seven hundred thousand dollars last year other recruits know that if you come to georgia you can secure nil deals there is a mechanism in place with this classic city collectibles and this matt hibbs guy that's the ceo uh, he's got a lot of good ideas and then can you transfer that though from football to basketball, because Josh Brooks said, and I just posted a story on Dog Nation, you've got to be all in on basketball. And, Connor, you you were a student at the University of Georgia. You went to high school. You know the, this, the lay of the land here.
0: Will fans ever get all in on basketball at Georgia? What will it take? I believe right now there is a desire for Georgia to be good, and maybe social media over-conflates some of this because it is just very easy to be angry on social media these days. I believe there is an appetite for Georgia basketball to be good at basketball in a way that has not existed in a long time here because Tennessee just won the SEC. I can tell you, if you gave Tennessee fans the ability to cut off their arm to have the season that Georgia had in football last year and they'd have to take the basketball one, they're taking the foot, They're taking that option every day and twice on Sunday. I would say Alabama, it's the same way. Auburn, you've seen the success that they have had to the point where they are now almost a basketball school. So I think... The fact that Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, though, clearly not clean. LSU, not clean. The fact that you've seen these schools have success in in basketball while still being football-driven, I think shows that, hey, this is no longer a good enough excuse. And I know Mike White might not be the championship-winning coach that some people crazily envisioned.
1: Who would they have got? Like, who could have been on this other than – Jay Wright from Villanova. I mean, who are you
0: thinking you're going to get? Like, I, I'm sorry. If you if you fell for the hype that you thought Georgia was going to get Scott Drew from Baylor, I'm sorry. Like, that's just on you. Like, why would – you're just drastically overestimating how, how the Georgia job and what it is. And, again, my point that I made at the top with Mike White, Mike White does what he does, did at Florida, at Georgia. That's a massive success. a success NCAA
1: yeah. tournament.
0: If he's doing that – Again, I, I think Georgia can get to, like we've seen at a place like Auburn, like we've seen at a place by Tennessee, once you get it going, once you get one, two, three NCAA tournaments in a row, you can get to a point where Auburn this year, you win the league. Tennessee this year, you, you or, uh, yeah, you win the SEC tournament. You're positioning yourself as a top seed. You know, I, those teams have had success in the past in recent years, but they're now seemingly at a point where, hey, we can be good at this every year and have teams that go from, okay, we're making the tournament every year to, Now we're making the second weekend of the tournament every year, and that I think is the step that I think people wanted to see Georgia get to when Tom Crean was hired, and now it's going to be up to Mike White to see if they can get back to that place. We'll have tons more coverage on this, plenty of stuff. Josh Brooks said, as Mike mentioned earlier, he's got his piece up on our site right now. We've got videos on YouTube. I've got a couple of football stories up. We just went about half an hour. Do you know how much we talked about the quarterbacks on Georgia's current roster?
1: I know that we noted it was 15 minutes in before anybody asked about Kirby's finally beat everybody down. Of course, we want to know if there's going to be any competition at the position. But even if we ask that question, we already know what Kirby's going to tell us, right? So Kirby's won. Kirby's won the battle with the media. The media is not asking the hard question about quarterback. But the reality is, Connor, that during the offseason, Todd Munkin did tell a group of boosters that Stetson Bennett's the guy. And the other thing that Kirby said that kind of married into with that is because of the limited number of receivers available it's going to be very important that they get quality work with the quarterback and to me that's code for Stetson's got to continue to get those 60 or 70% of the reps like the number one gets during the course of the season so I think what you really got is a battle between Brock and Carson for the number two and I I, I suppose this last night and I'd be interested on your take does one of them necessarily have to leave because you think well yeah the the three would leave but but then where do you go because every Everybody else has got quarterbacks
0: and spring's over with. Right, it, it, what have what will have Brock Van or Carson Beck have shown another school that's like, hey, I should go out and get this guy. Other than past recruiting rankings, right. you know, JG Daniels, it's understandable. He's got a, a solid body of work that would be attractive, certainly to Power Five schools. And with G Five schools at this point in the cycle, you know, so you have you have the January guys that transferred, and then you're gonna have another batch ring out in the spring. Uh, there's very easily a world, even though I know probably a lot of us envision one of them probably transferring out after spring practice. There's very much a world just as well. Well, Kirby's able to thread the needle and he's able to keep both those guys and sort of have them battle throughout the, the regular season as well. And, you know, if Georgia gets up big again, because we know for a fact that this is Stetson's last year this year. Maybe there will be a greater desire to go out and develop a backup quarterback to get him ready with those reps going forward, assuming Georgia gets up big and late some of these games like they have in each of the past couple of years. So plenty of stories, plenty more spring practice. We've got over a month until G-Day. We will have content coming for you every single day. My name is Connor Riley. This is Mike Griffith. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure to keep checking out Dog Nation for the latest football news, basketball news. There'll be a baseball story on our website tonight. So thank you guys so much for tuning in from Stegman Coliseum, the scene of where Mike White was hired today. My name is Connor Riley. Mike Griffith. This is a Dog Nation production.